Hello, and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. This is the podcast where each week we take a deep dive into a different album and ultimately answer the burning question, are there tracks? I'm Pete. And I'm Bob. And we are here today to take a deep dive into our album of the week. Um, This week's episode, we're going to talk about Failure's third album from 1996 called Fantastic Planet. Um, But first, Bob, how are you? What's going on? I am uh, I'm good. I'm good. I had a uh, productive, if not pedestrian day. Uh, it's been cold, but today it was just not quite as cold, and I was able to get some stuff done, so happy about that. Nice. Um, now, how about cold. you? How about you? Because I believe I, I might have heard you had a uh, traffic encounter to start, start the day. I did, yeah. I was driving down the road. Uh, someone was just riding my ass, you know, as people tend to do sometimes. Especially here uh, in New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah. Um, big wide open road going through Colts Neck, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those moments where I was like, I'm going to piss this person off because I feel like they're driving like an asshole. And I short stopped and watched them completely lose their minds with their kid in the car. And oh uh, <laughs> it, made, it made me feel really good about myself for some reason. Nice way to start a Monday. I highly uh, recommend it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Do you think that's a lingering part of being from New Jersey? Is that kind of, I think there's people who either drive too aggressively and get satisfaction of being the aggressive <laughs> driver, like, ha look at me. <clears throat> and then there's people who get satisfaction of, um, putting that person in peril, making them lose their mind. Because I, I fall into the, the if I can make that person, just like you, if I can make that person lose their mind, I won. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I think that's the move because you don't want to be the aggressive driver. No. You know? I mean, like, listen, we all have places to go. Sometimes you're going to be late. You should try to organize your day so that you're not late if that's a concern of yours. Yes. You know, I mean, it's, it's like the, the, the power is in your hands. So the fact that you're late is not my fault. And uh, most of the time I'm driving over the speed limit, you know, five or so miles per hour anyway. So it's not like I'm going, you know, 30 and a 40. Right. But uh, I don't know. I, it's just uh, I, have, I have very low tolerance for it. So, yeah, I'd, I like to be that guy that just kind of gets in the way of uh, those people who are in I'm a, a bad driver. crazy rush. Well, <laughs> let's start it by saying, do you think that driver – Who's more likely to have been listening to the failure record, Fantastic Planet? The person who was riding your ass or you this morning? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the aggressive driver could be listening to this record. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it has to be the measured, uh, uh, I'm going to stop short and get your ass, dude. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, I'm with yeah. That. If you're listening um, to this, you're cruising. <laughs> that's right. So um, let's, let's get into this. Failure, uh, a band who I think, um, what do we usually start with? The, we give their bio and then we do our their kind of yeah our just personal go, experience. Yeah, exactly. We'll just go through the history a little bit here. So, so <clears throat> I think failure starts in around '92 from Los Angeles. Uh, interesting that they sign immediately to Slash Records. Um, sort of notable label uh, has done lots of records starting in the late '70s doing punk music, but then really moved into alternative. Uh, eventually becomes a part of Warner Music Group. So this is a indie, but not quite totally an indie label. Uh, they move on. 
and release their first record, Comfort, in 92, and release another record in 94, Magnified. And at this time, they're doing tours with bands like Tool, kind of getting in the mix for the alternative, heavier, you know, grunge is the right place, but they're not in that first wave of grunge, and they're not part of the Seattle grunge, which I think is important. Um, The main dude, for lack of a better term, is Ken Andrews. Mm -hmm. I think he writes almost all of the music. He's the kind of, he's the full figure behind the band. But, uh, but there's a lot going on. Um, I have quite often cited this band as being kind of in the post hardcore world as far Mm -hmm. as music. I don't think that's, well, let me just say, I don't think that's right. After doing a really, deep dive on this record for the first time in a while and also revisiting some of their other records. I think Comfort is the closest. I think Comfort, you could actually say, hey, this has some really decided post-hardcore feel to it. But uh, by Fantastic Planet, it's firmly alternative. It's alt. So uh, so I want to say that. I will say also that this record, Fantastic Planet, is a record I think I chose. I chose this record? I chose this record. Yeah, you picked this one. About... Ooh, 12 or 13 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, this is a long time, get, getting old is a hell of a thing, people. Uh, <laughs> I fell in love with this record. Uh, just just blindly in love with it. Really, really liked it. I probably listened to it, you know. It was regular rotation, and to give you the age of it, iPods were around, but not everyone had one. <laughs> and so I still had a CD book in my truck. It was on heavy rotation in the CD book. And then when I first got an iPod, this is one of the first things I put on it. So um, I love this record. That said, maybe I should use past tense because I also haven't really given it headphones, deep dive listen in a long time, probably eight to 10 years. Oh, wow. uh, I've had it play in the background and it's one of those things. It's a record I loved. So it kind of became something I'd throw on and listen to in the background. While I was doing something else. I really sat with it this time and I'm excited to get into it. Pete, what's your familiarity with either this record, fantastic planet or the band failure. So <clears throat> I had very little familiarity um, up until maybe three years ago. Um, I don't remember what I was listening to at the time. It may have been a lot of killing joke, honestly. Um, mm. you know, calling back the last week's episode, but that's right. <clears throat> I was listening to something, something heavier, something, you know, kind of fuzzy. And my wife was like, Hey, this kind of sounds like failure. And I was like, I've heard the name of that band, but I don't know anything about that band. And she was like, you should totally listen to that band. Like you would love that band. Yo, Um, shout out. She she knows. (laughs) She knows. She's like a professional when it comes to like anything nineties. Um, she hits all these notes that I like just, I missed, you know? Mm. Um, so she'll fill in the gaps for me sometimes, but yeah, she, she was just like, you got to listen to failure. So, um, I listened to all three of their records, kind of just passively, you know, I, I didn't yeah. like, I wasn't paying full attention if I'm being honest. Um, and this is the one that hit me. And I remember, um, when stuck on you came on, I remembered that song just hearing it, you know, around. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I also remember this is maybe f- three or four years ago or something. Um, 
I was walking by the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, and I saw a few friend, friends of mine standing outside, and it was like late at night, so there was a band playing, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, yo, Failure are playing, and I was like, why aren't you inside? They're like, oh, I was sold out, we couldn't get in, but they were just like outside listening to Failure. <laughs> Yo, that's uh, yo, that's a that's a good sign. I think if you are a band who you get loitering listeners, yeah, uh, that's a good sign, especially so, when they're in their forties. You know, oh yeah, yeah, that I've got that I've got doesn't a lot happen of often to do right. You know, yeah. um, so so this is kind of an interesting place to kind of twist it. So I have more experience, but it's been a while. Pete, you kind of did a light dive, um, and now a heavier dive <laughs> for this record, um. This record, I think, is a pivotal point in their career. I think that um, the singles on this record were the closest that the band came to full commercial success. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I think that both Sa- uh, Saturday Savior, Pitiful, and were, were good singles and Stuck on You actually did very well, reached 23 on Billboard charts. So that's good. That said, I think it's also fair to call this kind of an also-ran band in the world of alternative music. Um, Cult following? Absolutely. Creative beyond their means? Absolutely. Had a lot more going on than just being a like pretty good grunge or alternative band? Absolutely. Yeah. I think they've actually had much more influence in underground music than people would know by first glance. And uh, so this record, I think also pulls in some space rock kind of elements that really give them their own unique feel. So um, this is the most interesting of their records to me. I think it's their best. So I think that's kind of the context for why I wanted to do this record. I also think it's their most approachable. So, which is another good way we we have talked about a little bit here on on the other podcast I do, Axe to Grind. We talk about entry points for for music. This has the best entry points for the band failure, and I think that's one of the reasons to uh, to discuss today. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I feel like again, I don't, I haven't revisited the first two in a while, but this one has like hooks in this way where anyone who was even you know passively into Nirvana or something could find something that they'd like here. I think. Yeah, I, I think, well, that's an interesting place to start because Nirvana is going to come up a few times in some of my thoughts here. Yeah. So I, I first started, you know, um, I think that there's an ease in the way that they have a certain heaviness to them, their tempos, some of how guitar riffy it can be that really uh, echo post-hardcore music, which would be somewhere in the realm of Helmet or Quicksand, uh, Handsome. Then you get more melodic stuff like the Sam I Am's or, or Jawbreakers of the World. This, to me, shares has a little, little bit of that, but has so much more in their DNA with like the post-Nirvana grunge and alternative sort of stuff like Toadies, Silverchair. Bush. Bush. Hum, um, so so there's this world, and and that second wave grunge took a lot of forms. Um, and when you hear failure, if you put Nirvana at the top of your like reference list, you could circle around to it a lot. 
it, it to a point where I bet if I was in the band, I'd be like, yo, enough. I don't want to <laughs> hear Nirvana references because as a whole, I don't think this record, nor do I think this band sounds like Nirvana. However, if you isolate pieces, you go, oh, that's, that could be, that, that could be Nirvana. Yeah. In, in the same way as I think when certain people listen to different British rock or British pop rock bands, they, they want to find Beatles. So they're constantly seeking it out and trying to find the pieces. And sometimes it's really there. And sometimes it's not. And you're just, your ear is looking for it so hard that that's all you can find. Um, so that said, uh, as I mentioned, I think that unique quality they bring in is spaciness, which separates them a bit from the other alternative bands. But you find that on a few of these. I think Hum, you find that a little bit. Yeah. Um, in yeah, they, general, yeah, go they, ahead. They definitely have their elements that you know are, I think, really unique from a lot of the stuff going on at the time. I use Nirvana as an easy, easy reference, and I think to your point, there are moments on this that actually sound like they could be taken from like certain, you know, like there's one song that reminds me a lot of Territorial Pissings, that song from yes. Nevermind, but yep. like you know, that's it's just moments. I think overall, there's actually there's a lot more layers going on here, and a lot they're pulling from a lot of different places that you know bands like Nirvana were not. Yeah, I think one of the pieces that is really interesting to me is that uh, Ken Andrews' vocal range is significantly greater than Kurt Cobain's, and he does a lot more. That said, there's a certain space he gets to, especially on this record where he's got the gravelly yep. kind of pitched and you're like, Oh, that's, that could be a Kurt Cobain stand in, you yep. know? So when he hits that and all of a sudden the music's there, you're like, Oh, okay. I can, I can hear that too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to kind of break this record down before we do. I want to give, I think it's kind of fun because we talk about a lot of this stuff frequently. Um, is the kind of, the measurements, the stats, if you will, of the record. Sure. This is a 17 song. <laughs> and we should, you know, caveat, there's a couple of kind of, I think there's three specific interludes. They call them Segway 1, Segway 2, Segway 3. We'll get there. And the record clocks in at 67 minutes and 51 seconds. Pete, in the time that we've been doing this podcast, let's count our It Came From New Jersey days. Have we done a record that's longer? I don't think we have. I don't think we have either. For that, let's get into the track by track. I will say that there were times when this record dragged, but it didn't feel... There were also times when I blinked and was like, oh, I'm almost done with this record. So uh, I think we're going to be talking about length a little bit today. Yeah. We will. We'll get there. All right. Well, let's go track by track. You all know how we feel, or at least how I feel. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, uh, I think it's a trope, but I think people will appreciate it because it means we're always looking for the best cuts. We're looking for the choice tracks yep. as well as a good, solid record that you're not going to sleep to. <clears throat> so with that said, I want to talk about the song, the first song. On the failure record, Fantastic Planet, Saturday Savior.
All right. Um, so I guess I should say this. I mean, it comes in with this kind of weird music box sound, mm, a little yes. off-putting, um, which chiming I, sound effect. We'll call yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll get there, but it it also closes out, closes out the record. That's right. Um, and I like when there's that sort of continuity. So I'm into that. Yes. Um, the song itself is definitely catchy. Um, it certainly has a hook, but it starts off a little slow for me. I'm not going to lie. Yes. Like the song it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of energy on this record and there's not a ton of energy in this song. I don't feel like. <clears throat> so I, um, one, I really like the song. It's a keeper for me for sure. However, it's one of the songs that is, there's a f- grip of these songs from the mid nineties, especially where in my head, they are a half beat faster. Yeah. And this is a perfect example of it because it's a, like I said, it's a half step slower and I'm like, okay, this is cool. But I thought it was a little bit faster. Um, I do really like the song. It's four minutes and 27 seconds, which is a little bit deceiving because it's about a minute of the chimes. I don't even know what those chimes are, but they remind me of the little monkey. Those like <laughs> monkeys with the chime toy. Oh, sure. So we'll call this, this track about three and a half minutes long, which I thought was a good length. Um, and this to me was a perfect table setter for the record. You get the echoey vocals, deep beating tempo, kind of plodding in a pretty way Mm -hmm. i wish it was the half step faster but i think it sets you up for the record and and i had the exact same note about those chimes i'm a complete sucker for for that secular the reprieve at the end Uh, it makes me it sucks me in so yeah i like i like this song i think if before this deep dive i would have told you oh i love that song i might have been like oh you need that's one of the top that's like there's there's like two three songs you need to hear and it's still there but it might have bumped down a couple spots to be honest yeah yeah i mean it's definitely a keeper for me but it's 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 interesting in that way that you're talking about where i listened to the record a few times over the week and i would have this song stuck in my head and every time i went back to it it like didn't hit me like i thought it would or wanted it like to you wanted it to right you know? yep <clears throat> so it's cool it's just uh there there are other songs that I like a lot more on this record. So, yeah. Uh, let's go into the second song, Sergeant Politeness. So, this is where they totally bring me in. Um, okay, good. It's much heavier. It's got a better, you know, a, a faster pace to it. Um, this is the song I put the pace. I would like Saturday Savior to be at this pace. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, it does remind me a lot of. Um, Helmet is a band that you referenced before. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like if they kind of stuck to this only, and and actually some of their earlier stuff, they could fit on yes. a label like Amphetamine Reptile Records. You know, yes. like just like that noise rock scene. Um, I think this thing that sets them apart from that is a lot of the effects that they use and like the spaciness. You know, <clears throat> but. I love it. I love like the heavy drum fills coming in. It's it's uh it's a really cool song. Yeah, I, I like the I like how it comes out of Saturday Savior into this song. I think the 
pace picks up in exactly the right way. It's a little heavier, whereas Saturday Savior is more. It's prettier. It's a more. This this song's a lot more aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm all in on it. Um, so those first two tracks are both keepers. Track three, and I wanted to talk about this. Segway one. So track three, track seven, and track twelve are the segways. Largely, I tried to think of these as independent songs. Uh, they're instrumental. I like Segway One. I think it works really well. It gives kind of atmosphere and texture to the record. We also are talking about a record that's over an hour long, <laughs> so I'm conscious of that. Yeah. I believe <clears throat> these add to the atmosphere enough that I kept Segway One. I think it's worthwhile. And as we go through, if the rest of the record was a little more efficient, I think these songs help flow. Uh, so I, I really liked this segue. I think it bridges between these songs. Well, uh, what say you? <laughs> I am totally, I'm, I'm not all in on every segue. Yes. Um, I'm yes. all in on segue one. Um, yes. I think it, it flows perfectly from Sergeant politeness. Um, you almost, you wouldn't even know that the track changed unless you looked at it. Yep. Um, it- have you ever heard of a band that's done that kind of stuff? Instrumental segues or kind of interludes? Um, I sir, I, de- I definitely am, but I just, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think in general, I think it's a cool idea. I think it, it's a way to build a record and <clears throat> to say, Hey, we have a structure to this. We put a lot of thought into how these songs flow and how these songs flow from one to another. So, and this um, one in particular sounds like it could be a song of its own. Like it sounds like they're almost jamming something out that could have turned into a song. Correct. And and there's a couple other parts on this record that I feel like they, this is not jam music, nor is it jam out music, but there's a couple parts where it feels like, Oh, you're leaving room for you to do stuff. And it makes me curious about sort of the writing process at this point. Like, I think that was very intentional and I think they wanted that kind of feel to some of the music. So, yeah. Um, that goes into smoking umbrellas. I, I said, this is a keeper. Yeah, I think it's a keeper. Um, it doesn't, it Sergeant politeness is like by far my favorite track on the record up until this point. Um, this one, it reminds me a little bit of Saturday Savior, the chorus at least. Um, he kind of hits similar notes. But. Yeah, he does. He does. There, There's <clears throat> there's a, a problem on this record that I'm remiss to really. We'll get there as we talk song song by song here, but there's some tone things on this record that end up feeling very same. Yeah. And when I listen and really break it down, I'm like, no, this, this record's actually for 17 songs. There's a lot of variation. There's a lot of different parts that they're trying and, and they go for, they very specifically, there's a few songs where you can tell like, Hey, this is doing something differently. Smoking umbrellas is, is sort of somewhere between Saturday savior and Sergeant politeness. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, it's a keeper for me, but it's of the songs on the record that I keep. This is on the lower end. I like it. I don't love it. Yeah. Same. There's like, but there's always, 
something interesting about the songs like the 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 bass tone and the you know the drums in this song are are interesting and something they haven't really done yet on the record like yes. they're they're always toying with something that's not your tip like your typical grunge band or band of this era would not really be doing which is which is cool you know but sometimes it works better than others yeah i agree um th- that said, I'm curious to see how you feel about the song Pillowhead, the next track, which to me, this is their most Nirvana-ish song. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Even um, even like the drum break going into the, the chorus, yes. it, it sounds like it's something Dave Crow would do. I think that the guitar, the intro, then that kind of bassy scaling feels really Nirvana. What breaks it from the Nirvana sound is the big chorus that it breaks into. I think that starts to pull it away. Um, Also, I want to say that this song's just over two minutes long. Love, love where they put this song. And it feels like I said, I, I feel like there's some tone issues on this record, but this song feels different guitar stuff's going differently you're hearing you're hearing ken andrews do different vocal range stuff and uh yeah i'm all in on this song i think to this point sergeant politeness and pillowhead are my strongest tracks even though saturday savior might be catchier than both yep yeah it's a keeper for me too now here is so so far now with smoking umbrellas are you keeping that I'm on the fence. Um, Let me come back to it. Okay. It's a keep for me, but it's a soft keep. Yeah. Blank. Let me just tell you, it's my first cut, Pete. (laughs) Yeah, it's my cut too. Uh, What I thought about this, it's kind of soft alt active rock leanings. And I'm not saying there's not material in that world that I like. But the soft side song here doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. I appreciate that they're trying to change it up, like I said. <clears throat> but I think the song only serves the record in terms of that. Um, I don't mind the kind of like on the nose, living on the moon, lyrical, spacey, borderline jam out. But And then the, the part I like the most of the whole song is the closeout when it's kind of... It's got a cool guitar thing happening right at the end. This is five and a half minutes long. Yeah. And uh, it's just not enough for me to redeem the song. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it just doesn't make my cut. Yeah. No, same. I mean, it's, uh, like you said, it's a good attempt. I think that they, like, what they're trying to do here, they do much better at later points of the record. Mm. Um, It's too long. The, the end kind of, 
lead I think you're talking about is cool. Yes, but, exactly. That's but exactly there, what but, but, but there's a there's a whole part for me, like within the last two or so minutes that it actually feels really aimless. Like it, it sounds yeah. to me like it almost sounds to me like a practice tape. Like they're like still kind of working the song out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not super strong. It's definitely a cut for me. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. And now we are at track seven, which is Segway two. Pete, where are you at on Segway two? It sounds like space motorcycles, <laughs> like driving around a track. I like, I'm good on it. I don't need it. Cut. I'm keeping that minute 17 of space motorcycles. <laughs> I, I like it. I, it's, it works for me. Uh, I, I will second your not all segues worked for me, but this one still dead. Yeah. Um, this goes into dirty blue balloons. <clears throat> um, now, have we hit the record lull for you? Just about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This song is a keep for me. I, I like where it gets. I think it's heavy. It's got a lot more of that spaciness than a couple of the earlier songs, certainly more than Sergeant Politeness or Smoking Umbrellas or Pillowhead. But it's very tuneful and pretty memorable. I actually, this one was getting stuck in my head uh, quite a bit. And I, I think this is a keeper for me. I actually find this to be a pretty solid song. I really like the outro, the whole nothing helps and no one cares piece. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I feel like lyrically is touching on similar themes and I feel like structurally it's kind of what we've already heard. It's actually, I think I'm going to cut this song. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think there's some, like we said, there's some, so I think there's some tone in the music. I think where they try to go with the spaciness with that heavy kind of, and the tempo, <clears throat> you have to be really creative. And I think they do some stuff on the second half of this record because I think they were conscious, like shit, we gotta, we gotta get out there a little bit. But uh, dirty blue balloons, all right, disagreement. Where I'm keeping your cut. I am curious to think <clears throat> what you think of the song Solaris. love this track um and it's love. funny it's funny because we uh i mentioned the movie solaris in last week's episode um yeah it all Synchro comes mysticism here it all, it all comes together um i feel like there's a lot of dynamic in this song yes um, you know from like the slow to fast to the heavy and then there's like spacey parts um the vocals to me actually I hate to keep making the nirvana thing but the vocals sound very kirk cobain in this song like he's hitting those notes um, yeah, he me. does. He does. But there's a lot of layering going on. There's like bongos. Um, there's like a really gorgeous outro. That's like, yes. you know, I it's it's cool. I'm I'm in. 
I think this is the introduction of the bongos, but not the bongo focus on the record. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like that almost the synthy, like what made me think of something that would have been pulled off police synchronicity guitar part that opens the track. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love how that transitions to a much more rock and riff. Uh, the song might be a touch too long, like one, one repetition long. But otherwise, I think it's super strong. I, I really like it. And snuck up on me because it's one of the songs that's like, this is a deep cut. When I think of this record, this isn't one of the songs I thought of. But on the deep listen, I was like, yo, this is a very good song. So, Yeah, it's one of the highlights for me, I think. Agree. I I am fascinated to see where you fall on the song Pitiful. Pitiful. So this one, I mentioned Amphetamine Reptile Records before. Um, yes. There's a band called Hammerhead that was on that label. This song reminded me of a Hammerhead song for some reason. <laughs> um, but uh, it's cool. Like a lot of these songs, I really like the outro, but I don't love the song itself. Mm. Um, I'm going to keep this song. I do like it, but um, I like the outro particularly. I'm cutting it. All right. This is where it hits me hard. There's a lot to like, but it loses me more than some of these other tracks. Like this song loses me more than Dirty Blue Balloons a lot. As a standalone song, I can see this. I could potentially vibe with that. But in the context of the record, like unlike Saturday Savior, that's, you know, Really, it's listed at four and a half minutes, but it's really more like three and a half. This song's a full 445, and I feel it. I really feel it. Yeah. Um, I like the some of the lyrical part. I like the vocal part. The You want to hold on to me. I want to hold out on you. Um, I thought there was some really good stuff in this. But overall, I just I didn't love the song. And I was more familiar with it than I remembered. And in comparison, like... I like both songs before and after it uh, more. So I'm cutting it. Fair enough. Leo. All right. (laughs) This one I am keeping, but I want to let me try to sell you on it because I don't know. Are you going to keep it or are you going to cut it? This is a cut for me. Okay. Then let me try to sell you on it. There's a certain type of alternative music that's genreless until this very moment. I'm going to call it storyteller alt. (laughs) And you might think of Lisa Loeb. You might think of presence of the United States of America. Uh, You might think of gin blossoms, but it's based mostly on lyrical or kind of uh, a tropey thing where you follow somebody's story. Uh, In this song, we're following Leo's story. Um, I feel like this would have made a really cool music video. There's no music videos for this record. Um, Except for it's stuck on you. Is there a stuck on you video? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. There should be. Um, I'm not even sure that I like this song tons more than pitiful. It's just got so much more personality and it has a touch of a different vibe. I really like that pitchy harmonic guitar part about two thirds of the way through the song um, that pulls me in. That's the one the the guitar part you're talking about has uh, kind of the drum fill behind yes, it. Correct. Yeah. I really like that, and I thought I was like, "Yo, this is this is a change of pace on this record that felt 
in line with the flow, but also really felt different. So then I'm going through and going, man, some of these things I was questioning, talking about tone, talking about sameness, and I'm going, Pillowhead's kind of a really different feeling song. Solaris has a really different feel to it. And now I'm at Leo and I'm like, okay, kind of like we're pacing through and and I have some pieces that feel different. I was like, okay, uh, I was in. So Leo, storyteller alt, <laughs> I was pulled into it. Uh, I like the story and I'm keeping it. Fair enough. Um, I like I like your cell. I do, um, but I, I have to say that I uh, I don't think I like any of the storyteller alt bands that you referenced. And as there's a result, so many more, I gotta I, I gotta I, I gotta do some googling. I still don't like Leo. Um, <laughs> I still don't know, like Leo is a great indie band name. By oh, the, it's or, great! Uh, it's great. Band, like an album title. I still don't like Leo. Someone take that, please. Please. Um, yeah. Letters to you can tour with letters to Cleo or something. That's right. That's right. Um, so it has a catchy chorus, um, and I like that part that you referenced with the the drum fill and the the guitars. Um, but aside from that, it 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 feels to me like they're trying to fill up space at this point. Like this is where the fatigue like really hits me on this record. Okay, I've already been hit. But are you also trying to tell me you don't like the Crash Test Dummies song? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't tell me that. Oh <laughs> man, storyteller all. Once had, there had, was this kid who, you know, I like I, the, I like the Weird Al rendition <sighs> better. Better? <laughs> it's not funnier. It's both are very funny. Yeah, you're right. It's not funnier. All right. Um, so you're cutting Leo. I'm keeping it. Uh, <laughs> Segway three. I cut. Segway three. Do you? Oh, look yeah. at that. We flip. I go one, two, you go one, three. Um, segway two, segway three just felt, and maybe this, mm-hmm. I was just out by this point. I just felt like it didn't bridge between the songs as well as I would have liked it, as well as I think that both Segway one and Segway two did, um, being that they are titled Segways for a reason. And I just thought that it kind of got lost and this felt more. Uh, more jammy, like trying to figure out what where we're going here, and oh, okay, here we go. Like it, it feels like it just is stunted almost. Sure, I can I can vibe out to shit like this sometimes, and I feel like it it works on on this one. All right, uh, well, why don't you tell me about the nurse who loved me? So I feel like this is uh you know last week's episode. I don't remember the name of the song, but there's a there's a killing joke song that was very obviously like the ballad of the record oh yeah um, this is that song for this record um this is the failure ballad i think it's um i like it a lot um it has like a really really nice kind of slow burn like slow build to it yes um and the outro is awesome i actually i think this would have made a really strong closer to the record um oh. had, had they done things differently agree uh, agree with that actually. Um, 
this weird uh, this is a keeper for me as well uh, there's some elements of this that make me it feels a bit like uh and I, this actually predates i believe the jets to brazil record but it kind of reminds me of jets to brazil a bit mm-hmm. um i think the instrumentation is very interesting here's where the bongos are featured um almost <laughs> as the primary percussion at least for the first half of the song it is the primary percussion yeah um, I thought the lyrics were really strong on this song. At first, I thought it was like a little bit gibberishy, like word salad. This just sounds good together. Yeah. On first blanche. But then, boom. Guess what, Pete? Do you know what this is? What's that? Storyteller alt. <laughs> oh, man. This is a storyteller song. All right, I'm gonna. You got to come up with a list of storyteller alt bands. <laughs> I will. I'll bring. I can't believe you also are saying you don't like the Lisa Loeb hit. I mean, I like the hit. That, that's the storyteller song. I'm not talking about like a deep cut All or right. the other singles. Yeah. Like, come on. I'll take Lisa Loeb over uh, that failure song. Agree. However, it's still fun. Leo, stop. <laughs> I still like Leo. Um, I still don't like Leo. Like, <laughs> we we might be starting an indie band right now yeah. to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, The Nurse Who Loved Me is a cool song. I actually, uh, I think we'll revisit this for a section after we do the tracks, actually. So, um, yeah, cool song. Nice. How do you feel about <clears throat> another space song? Um, I like this song a lot. Um, I think it's one of my favorites on the record. There's like, Whoa. yeah, there's a cool drum pattern. I really like the super fuzzed out bass tone. Okay. Um, there's no real hook on it, which is no. different from a lot of the songs, but I don't know. There's like this meditative vibe that I'm, I'm into. And actually this is one of those songs that made me think about just how many bands like may have potentially been pulling from this that I wasn't even aware of. Like there's a, there's a band called majority rule. Oh who yeah, are, who are kind of I don't I don't know I don't want to say big, but they were around in like the early two thousands kind yep. of screamo like heavy scene. Yep. They took like the bass tone from this and like the kind of the feel from this in a lot of ways, which maybe maybe I don't know maybe it wasn't even intentional. Maybe they weren't failure fans, but um, I feel like this band had an effect that uh, I don't know kind of plays itself out in a lot of underground genres at least. No, I, I think you're you're dead on. This song does nothing for me. Interesting. I, I actually, <clears throat> when you said that about the instrumentation, I think we might have just been in very different places when we were listening to this. Were you listening to this song on a car ride? I, I did the car ride, but I also did uh, headphones. Okay. I mean, when you said meditative, my comment here was that it meanders in the wrong way. Okay. And so I can actually see that what you're saying about the instrumentation being really interesting. I thought the break part kind of the second half of the song was sort of interesting, but that's a pretty lackluster comment compliment for this, you know? (laughs) Um, Again, I think this was them trying to do a change of pace. I took the name of the song, another space song to mean like this was a, both a filler and maybe not a complete song. (laughs) Yeah. If you look at the rest of their song titles, they're typically a little more artistic than that. Um, uh, The initialization of ass uh, seemed apropos (laughs) to me. 
I didn't, but I didn't think about that. I didn't hate it, but it was an easy cut for me. I, I tried a few times on it and just didn't catch. I feel you. I mean, it's it's interesting just to pick it apart for a minute. Like, yeah, please, I know, please. I know, I know that there were some uh, some drug issues and mm. you know addiction issues going on at the time of writing this record. Apparently, it got really bad after they recorded the record. But yes, um, it's one of those things where I also read that they they had a few songs kind of finished before going into the studio to record this but a lot of it was actually kind of written like they would they would write the song they would record the song mix the song and then they would move on to the next song which is not typically how you record albums no um, yeah so yeah so like it just made me think while i was listening to it like you know, what songs did they go into the studio with and what songs were they just kind of like toying around with, you know, and just came up with in the studio? Cause I don't know, I've never written a record in the studio. I don't have that experience, but it seems to me like the stronger records oftentimes are not written in the studio, you know, but no, no they're, they're worked on kind of crafted maybe even. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I, I think there's a, <sighs> I actually have worked with and know bands who perform really well in the, Hey, let's get it done. Let's write something. Sure. Sometimes they get out of their own way when they do that. Yeah. Kind of don't overthink the situation and end up doing really cool stuff. That said, rarely for albums, they perform better in the single environment. Like, Hey, let's just kind of like, Oh, we got asked to do a single or, you know, some kind of a small EP, you know, especially in the underground, that's not that uncommon. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that kind of energy can really work when it's like, hey, you're competent musicians, you have good energy, good chemistry together, and you kind of put something together for a song, maybe two songs, maybe three songs, and you really bang something cool out. But when it comes to an album, writing in a studio seems like hell on earth. I, I, most bands I know who've ended up in that situation – it's it's like a car uh, who's got nothing in the tank and they're running on fumes and they have to stop and you know they're filling yeah. up with whatever's available <clears throat> because it's like hey we just had to get gas man we just needed yeah. something so <laughs> yeah um, it's not not always ideal no I actually I take back what I said before I have written and recorded songs in the studio but it was only three songs that had to be done in two days but by the end of those two days everyone was tapped like i can't imagine being in the studio for months or weeks or whatever <sighs> i feel like it would be hell but that stuff sounds uh, it's it's both a romantic and also hellish ideal to say like the bands who get the big big budget Hey, go spend a month, spend six weeks recording this record, and you're going to live in the cabin. And and at first, that's really cool, and you think neato. But if you go to the cabin with zero songs, it's going to be a struggle to get out 10, 12 songs, whatever it is, you know? So. Especially when pressure's on like that, yeah. Yes. See, so, uh, see the first record that we covered for this podcast, The Stone Roses, for a perfect example of a record that was written outside of the studio prior to going in to record it. That's right. That's right. All right, so we we've... We disagree on another space song. We've had quite a few disagreements on this record. I'm happy. Yeah, cool. Uh, I think this one's an easy one. Stuck on you.
Keeper, the song rules. Um, you, like the best song on this record, the best song this band wrote, and like it's the track. If you needed to play one song for from this band, it's it's this one. I think they kind of hit <sighs> on one song. They hit exactly what they wanted from their more like tempo, like. Th- this isn't a Sergeant Politeness track where they're more aggressive and faster and going for a little more. This is the best possible version of a Saturday Savior track yeah. for failure. Yeah. You know, um, it's beautiful, it's awesome, and it breezes by at four and a half minutes. So, um, I would argue that this song deserves a place on any alt indie etc. playlist from the mid '90s. Yeah, I agree. This song is awesome. Um, I actually, I recommend you watch the music video. They do this like 007 uh, reference thing. It's, oh, it's, I would love that. I, I, don't know cool. how I, I don't know how I never saw it. I, there was a time where this record, like I was like borderline obsessed, but I was never Jimmy music video and I wasn't sure. in 2005 trying to watch music videos. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, I actually, I was, I was reading the lyrics of this song too. And I'm, I'm sure like in reality he's talking about a girl or something, but, um, the way that the lyrics are written, it's actually just about having a song stuck in your head. So it was, it's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. Oh, uh, the lyrics of this song are high watermark too. Like I, I think this, this song sounds like, hey, we got a song. Like, if they went into the studio with five songs, this was definitely one of the five songs. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's move to the next track, Heliotropic. Um, I like the segue from Stuck on You. Um, it flows yes. well. Yes. Um, that being said, I'm not sure if I'm cutting it, but it's just... It, it doesn't really have that much going on for a lot of the six minutes that it plays. Occupies, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, this song, I think they were trying to go heavier. Yeah. And it doesn't do it for me. I cut it. All right. Yeah, I'm going to cut it too, I think. This leaves the last track, Daylight, which as we've discussed, it has those kind of chimes mm-hmm. that harken back all the way back about 61 minutes before to Saturday Savior. And I am nothing if I'm not a sucker for a reprieve. So I really like that. I actually kind of like this song, <laughs> but <clears throat> every other part of me says, I don't know if this song is strong because it has that reprieve part and kind of ends up being a good bookend. Or if I could cut the song and put those chimes at the beginning of Nurse Who Loved Me or something, I'd feel just yeah. as strong. So yeah. I uh, I soft cut it. Uh, sell me one way or the other. Where are you at? I'm not going to help because I'm in the same place. Like I, I, I really like I really want to like it. Um, I feel like the elements are there. There's just yeah. something. There's something that it just it drags a little bit. It's not super memorable. 
Yeah. Um, and again, like the nurse who loved me just would have been a much stronger closer, I feel like. So I don't know. Maybe I cut it. <sighs> I think I'm cutting it. I don't hate it. I actually like it. Like this would be if this was the B side to the uh, stuck on you single. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is, but it's not on the album. I'd be like, oh shit, this is a killer single, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like a killer B side, rather, not single. But uh, I mean, this is another one where, like, I I, I like the outro a lot. It gets really heavy. It like keeps kind of going on. But like, that's at that point, I'm, I'm kind of checked out, you know? Yeah. I think that's the hard part is that stuck on you and we, we, we undersold this. Stuck on you is the best song on this record. It's the 15th song on the record. Which that's not common, right? No. I mean, for the hit, that hit's usually song two or three. Yeah, the song is, the hit is usually um, in in the time before streaming really took hold. And, and for people who are unaware, streaming's changing the way people are putting records together. Um, usually now you want the hit, quote unquote, the single to be the first track because it gets the most spins and all this stuff um there's a lot of weird algorithm reasons for it too it's really weird but the (laughs) the hit single was usually track two three or four usually track two or four and one of the other singles is going to be one of those other ones two three or four you know and maybe track one gets a single later on down the line stuck on you is buried and it feels like the album builds to it. So credit to them. I feel like this was an artistic decision more than a label one. Because if it was a label thing, like if you were just buying this record blind, which someone had to have, you're like, wait, stuck on you? You, you might not make it because that's 55 minutes into this record. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's that's awesome. Deep. But also the problem is it peaks there. And after that, I was just like, all right, I'm spent, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's you, your favorite song played at the concert and it's an hour. And you're like, should I leave? Should, can I catch, can I catch it out here? Can I beat traffic? Like, let's go. <laughs> um, so I want you to do a quick thing on this record because we do talk about time and length a lot with the songs you cut. How much, how much time with tracks did you cut off this? Um, let's see. Oh, wow. Okay. I've got mine. I cut 29 minutes off of this. Well, let me see. Same. Okay. Yeah. 29 minutes. Yeah. So, so we each cut 29 <clears throat> minutes off this record. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, so this is down to a 37 minute record, almost unconsciously doing that. Right. Yeah. And I think about this and I'm like, man, I could rearrange this record just a little bit and feel great about it <laughs> you know if yeah. i cut because i cut track six uh track six track 10 track 12 track 14 track 16 track 17 um that brings us down and all of a sudden like it's almost funny because we didn't cut the same tracks either you know mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see that it brings it down there that said this is um, by my estimation, still a really cool record. It's length. Very few of the songs that I feel like in other episodes we've done, other records we've done, I often will comment, oh, I think they should trim this part, this trim, trim this song. I think there was only one song in this record where I'm like, ah, maybe you could trim the fat a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like 
the thing I, you know, I know that it's become a trope of the podcast and I just hate like belaboring the point. Like if, <laughs> lean if in, this, is, lean this, in. this is, this is clearly a record that they wanted to kind of put it all out there, you know? Yeah. Um, it seems like there was energy around the band. Um, they really wanted this to be their statement. And I think in a lot of ways it definitely is. Um, I just, I feel like that statement could have been made with less songs. <laughs> um, like, well, like I, I, I just, I, I just, I don't feel like, you know, if, if every song kind of had elements that hadn't been, you know, experimented with, at some other point in the record, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like they put it all out there. They, tr- they went for broke. It didn't, you know, and it just kind of sort of worked out, but here, like there are a lot of songs that I don't necessarily think are adding any kind of new elements to the record, you know? And that's, that's, that's where I think my frustration lies with the length. It's just that like they did better versions of certain songs already that already exist on the record. They didn't need to like do it over again, you know? Totally agree. And also we're looking at a symptom of the CD era. I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah. Right. Like I just looked kind of in prep for, uh, for one of our, our flow questions here. Vinyl for this record wasn't pressed until 2010. Oh, wow. AKA 15 years later when vinyl had come back. This was only released on CD and cassette. There was this time when it felt like, oh, just jam it in. Yeah, let's put a bunch of music on this, you know? Like, yeah, oh, we've got the space. Just put it on there. And I think that there was... There's sort of a beauty to the fact that you had to like there was limitations to the music you know you could only do uh so much music on an album and so that gave you both a external and an internal editor just by nature of the format and yes people were releasing double albums and all that blah 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 but like yo 67 minutes is a long record i just looked this up just for reference uh smashing pumpkins in Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, notorious double album. Pete, I want you to guess how familiar are you with that record? Um, I haven't revisited it in a long time. I had it when it came out, but had it when yeah. it came out, was super excited about it, really like it. But I think it was a first week buy for me. Like went and got it, was like, I need to get this record. No, same. I think I revisited like five years ago and was not impressed. <sighs> some some songs. That actually would be a fun one it, to do, but it definitely we, has tracks, yeah. But we need a couple weeks to guess the length. Just guess. Don't look. Uh it has to be two hours. Um I mean, you're dead on 121 minutes and 39 seconds. Okay. What? Yeah. What? It's crazy. And like buried on disc two of that two disc because it was too long for one CD. For the uninitiated, you can get about 72 minutes on a CD. Buried on disc two, there's at least two or three really good songs. But you have to pull them out from like the anus of a second disc <laughs> record, you know, like the hell's going on. Uh, before we move on and talk about our, our, our other points, um, I wanted to ask, there's two covers that we shared with each other today. Um, I would like to ask you if you like the original version or the cover better. Let's start with the <laughs> A Perfect Circle cover of uh, The Nurse. Nurse who loved me. Yeah. Um, 
I, uh, I definitely like the failure version better. Um, Same. But a perfect circle was, I mean, they, they brought new energy to it. It was interesting. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really know what a perfect circle sound like as a band. So it's, it's Same. weird for me to say, you know, like, I, I don't know if this is just them doing them or if this is them like kind of branching out. I do like, I believe, you know, there's a tool connection with the perfect circle. So I, I liked that it was sort of a, at least an homage or a tribute to friends and, uh, right. Right. Well wishers. Now, how about the cover I sent to you? You sent that to me and I sent to you Paramore's cover of stuck on you. Um, Paramore, I, I have I had never heard a Paramore song either, by the Whoa, way. Whoa, never. Just, yeah, I mean, unless there's a hit that like I would be familiar with, but I just don't know it's Par- Paramore. Maybe. Um, that's likely. I don't know. But uh What did you it, think of their cover? They brought a whole new energy to it. It was it was interesting. I yeah. definitely I definitely liked the original better, but uh I, I mean it, it felt like they were just bringing it to a, a whole new generation of kids, which I think is cool. So that was, it's a deep cut Paramore cover that was on some EP they did called Summer Tick. The Summer Tick EP that I think was essentially like a summer tour kind of thing. Okay. Like an EP uh, that, and that for people who are unaware, Summer Tick is a reference, a lyric reference from the song Stuck on You. And they cover Stuck on You. Pete, I might like their version as much. Wow. It's really, it like... It does have a different energy. Musically, it feels pretty faithful. Yeah. But the singer of Paramore's got chops. <laughs> she can yeah. sing, man. She can sing. So uh, so kudos on that. I think it's interesting. And those bring us to a pretty natural question. Is this band, is this record, is it still relevant? I think it's definitely relevant. Um, I think it's the kind of thing that it's kind of like, again like killing joke last week where i think this band probably influenced a lot of bands who then influenced other bands who were unaware that there was a failure influence going on right like 1000 percent um which is cool i think that this record does feel to me like a little bit dated um it certainly feels like it came out in the 90s yeah you you nailed it uh (laughs) so i don't know how much of a how easy it would be to sell it to you know a kid coming up right now but at the same time like there are definitely elements i think that if if you know a younger kid was like diving deep enough they would find interesting here so this record is both still relevant both through that kind of second hand way as well as i think relevant because people could pick it up and listen to it and really enjoy it and pick up on some of the cues of it and really like the music all that said, it is 100% dated and of a time and place. Yeah. Uh, when I was playing it in the car, I know my, my, my wife, my significant other, would like the band, but probably not be familiar. So I was playing it, and I think it was Saturday Savior was on. And she, so it's first song, halfway through, and she goes, is this, her quote was, is this from 1995 or is it from now <laughs> trying to sound like 1995? Right. So no, it's from, it's from 1995. Uh, you know, it's from 96. But, um, and she did. She really liked it. But we also talked about like, oh, you know, the second part of what she said, 
this is a sound that a lot of people are looking back at and a lot of people are referencing. So I think that they both have the secondhand influence where they influence bands who are influencing bands now. Uh, I think that in the fact that a record that was essentially a major label release has had such a profound impact on underground music is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's bands, I think the band Caven doesn't, Jupiter is a direct failure influenced record. You know, absolutely. Like, like so much. Um, they were bringing in, you know, like there's there's little hints on this failure rock, uh, failure rock, on this failure record of 70s rock and like their spaciness wasn't unfounded. There, There's some Pink Floyd touches. There's little things that I'm like, oh, this is like Led Zeppelin riff, riffing, you know, like <laughs> they were on their bona fides here. Um, they were looking through stuff, but they really gave it um, – their own feel and i think you can see how that updated version of what they did and created with the spacey heavy sound lasted well beyond their years so uh so big credit so i think it's both of a time and place and is still relevant yeah i mean the fact that i mean they still put music out i think they got back together yep. in like 2010 or something but they uh bands like failure and hum like they can still tour and draw a crowd and the new oh, record sell. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. So, um, let's, uh, let's move along. I really like how we do the ratings. Why don't we talk about the things that we think about before we do the rating actually this time? How do you mean? Oh, let's do the factors that we think about before oh, sure. we actually give our rating. Sure. So yeah. Um, we've gone through these in previous episodes, but you know, just a uh, peek behind the curtain, you know, Bob and I have a list of kind of elements that we take into consideration when we're ranking the record. So we're sort of like judges on the Olympics. If you yeah, think about that, <laughs> exactly like that. Um, so, you know, we covered the length. Um, I think we both agree it's too long. We would cut some tracks, um, give it a little bit of room because of the CD era and all that, you know, went along with it. Yeah. We're, we're giving it an asterisk because we think that was an impact, but yeah. Yeah. Um, album flow. How do you feel like the album flows? I think it flows really well. I think it, I don't feel, hmm. So there's a few singles and, and we kind of talk about this. We'll, we'll pull it at the end, but, um, there's, there's a couple standout tracks. Absolutely. But, um, but I also think this record feels overall like a record you're supposed to sit down and listen to the whole album. So I think it flows really well. Yeah, I agree. Flows really well. Even, even the songs that I kind of dislike it, it, it all still flows and kind of has a similar kind of feel to it or a consistent feel to it. So, um, quality of the songs themselves and the lyrics. So, you know, are, are they memorable songs? How do they stand up against their contemporaries of the time? What do you think? Uh, high level. Um, yeah, I think for the most part, really high level on this record. I think I cited stuck on you was as a, I mean, if you, if you did a top 100 songs in the 90s, um, Stuck on You, to me, should be in the first half of that list. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, just for Stuck on You alone, I think that uh, they're definitely, like, right there, you know. Um, the lyrics, touching on a lot of similar themes, but I actually think uh, he's a really interesting writer. I agree. Um, I think he does stuff. He can be simple at times. Um, it's... 
it's a playful writing, but it also is uh, uh, aware and and overall pretty serious. Um, and uh, but but like serious, but using kind of vivid imagery, if you will. Yeah. Um, we kind of just touched on timelessness. Yeah, so. it's, it's it is dated, but its influence is certainly well past its uh, reach. A hundred percent. Artwork. We didn't talk about this at all. I'm shocked how little we talk about artwork, given how much we talk about it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, it really depends on the album. But I mean, yeah. I guess I guess that says it all about the artwork itself. If it's you know, if it's not worth mentioning. So, so what, do you, what do you think of this one? I um, this is a love hate relationship with the album art on this record. I think the band name feels kind of lazy. The font <laughs> uses like whatever. And at first I was like, I don't know if I like this art, but it's grown on me quite a bit. I actually, um, I still am not into the text on the cover, but I like the image. I like that it's supposed to have this sort of like 50s, 60s sci-fi like yeah. paperback cover feel. Yeah. Um, and so I'm in. I'm in. Maybe one of those guys is Leo. So I'm all in. I like the album <laughs> art a lot. Um I can't remember the CD booklet. Uh, sorry, yeah. but um, you know, I imagine it's not—it's uh, not shaking my world. So we'll just go off the album cover today. I had the same thoughts. Like it, you when you, at looking at it at a glance, it seems so lazy and like just yes, you know, you just off like put it off for a while. And it's like fuck, we need cover album art. Like someone put something together, yes. but but after a while, like I actually it it kind of really fits the vibe of the album. Yeah, um, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm looking at the back. I'm looking at the CD tray. the The art for the album is great. They should have whoever did the text work on this should be fired. <laughs> fired. It looks like fucking garbage. Ugh. The for the record, a lot of is bad. A, lo- a lot of albums did not look good at this point. No, in yeah, this, this was this was lazy is the right word for it. But the album art, the cover art, is cool. It's cool. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll give a pass to everything else. Um. Let's let me ask you this before we give our rating. We we do unanimous tracks to add to our Spotify playlist. What are I stuck on use the unanimous track? What else do we want to throw on there? So I'm not going to say another space song. No, because you're not going to buy that one. And I'm not going to say Leo because I know you're not going to buy that one. All right. So um, I would go, I could go with a lot of them. Let me say Um, I could go with Solaris. I could go with Sergeant Politeness. I could go with the nurse who loved me. I say we go. I say we go off strip script, and I say we go off script and do Solaris. Okay. And I might let's do Stuck on You, Solaris, and Sergeant Politeness. Okay. I think this record's really good, and it deserves three tracks. Nurse Who Loved Me is really good, but they can discover that when they hear the rest of the record. I'm with it. Cool. Good deal. All right. So let's get down to the what the people are actually here for. Um, <laughs> We're going to rate it. We're resigning it, uh, rating between one to five stars, and we can do, you know, percentages there. What are you going to rate this? I think I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Okay. Um, I think 
there aren't enough songs on it that I love to give it a four or a five. Um, but that being said, it's, it's, it's a great record that I have listened to, you know, a bunch of times at this point and, you know, for the most part, really enjoy the, the experience. Um, I'll definitely be going back to it. So yeah, three and a half. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I really like it. I, I was, uh, you know what? I was torn. Oh, man. No, now I'm thinking <laughs> it's between 3.75 and four. I'm going to give it a 3.75 because I did have to cut almost half the record. <laughs> I really like this record. I think it's fantastic. It probably in my heart, it feels like a four, but it's a 3.75 because there's some skipper tracks. Yeah. Um, and lastly, I think this is my favorite question that we do on this. I really like it. Yeah. Pete, will you be adding this to your personal collection? I will be adding it to my personal collection, but the problem is, is that I like vinyl and this is a, this is an expensive album, so I won't be adding it anytime soon. Yo, it, it is expensive. The CD, uh, is on Discogs for $70. Wow. So this is one of those expensive CDs, um, which I'm pretty sure I have it on CD. So maybe I can trade the CD for vinyl. Um, you can get the, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone's, there's there's some more affordable versions of the uh, CD. Um, you can get it as cheap as like 40 bucks. The LP sells online on Discogs. I can't believe this. Like a new copy, uh, the, well, they're shipping from international, but we're talking three hundred bucks. Yeah. Wow. That's serious money. Real money. Well, I don't, so know, I don't know if I like it that much. Um, I own it. It's somewhere. It's in a CD book. I'm sad that I probably don't have the CD case. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to sell it for $70 um, and maybe put it towards the vinyl. I already have it in my collection. I would buy it again. If I saw this record at a record store, I'd buy it immediately. Um, hopefully you guys uh, will too. But that being said, everyone just listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. I don't need to spend $300. <laughs> no. Yes, exactly. Music's music. <laughs> uh, what are we doing next week, Pete? Um, we're going to let you know on Instagram. Ooh, good. So we're still, uh, we're still sorting it out with the, with the, our followers. Well, and yeah, we, we like to leave that in the hands of some of our followers sometimes. So if you aren't already doing it, please go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at tracks pod. And we love emails at trackspod at gmail.com trackspod at gmail.com trackspod instagram twitter pete thank you as always thanks bob thanks everybody Bye.